Hello, hello. You're listening to Andy's Book Club. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show where we go over an exciting book chapter by chapter on a weekly schedule. Every week, I provide a recap of the chapter we're covering, and I add my commentary as we go along. If something requires more explanation, I might reserve some time at the end of the show and discuss it in more detail. So, whether you're studying for a test, writing an essay, or if you're like me, you're just super passionate about reading, this show is perfect for you. As a reminder, this show is available on YouTube, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other platforms. And if you're watching this on YouTube, the links for all those other platforms are down below in the description. Or if you prefer, you can simply just search for Andy's Book Club directly on your favorite platform.、Uh, but wherever you might be listening from, if you like the show, be sure to follow and subscribe. This show also has a Twitter page, so if I need to post visuals, I will do so on Twitter. So be sure to follow me there. This week, we're continuing with our story where we left off, which is the golden age of Westeros brought on by the long reign of Jaehaerys and the good queen Alicent. Historians often agree that Jaehaerys' reign was a golden age, and it's not just me saying that.、Uh, during the time that Jaehaerys was king, the populations of pretty much all major cities grew, and the prices of food fell.、Uh, the crafts like blacksmithing, carpentry, tannery,、uh, millery—they、uh, all flourished. So all of this prosperity was just at its beginning in 55 A.C.、Uh, the only troubles, though, that befell the Targaryens at this time was, of course, the disappearance of Princess Arya, who, if you recall from last episode, ran away from Dragonstone on the back of the great dragon Balerion. Rena, Arya's mother, had desperately been searching for her daughter with no luck. Rena had flown to Old Town on the back of her dragon Dreamfire, but did not find Arya there. Nor did anyone seen Arya or Balerion at Old Town. This, though, did give Rena a chance to see her other daughter, Rhaella, who had given herself to the faith as a Septa, and decided to live a life outside of her royal heritage and renounce all、uh, royalty in politics.、Uh, Rena expressed great regret to her daughter Rhaella that she had not been a better mother for her growing up.、Uh, Rhaella did not hold any grudge, however. And stated that Reyna was the best mother she could have hoped for.、Uh, it was at this moment that I'm sure we all wish that Reyna's relationship with Arya was as good as her relationship with Rayella,、uh, but that was not meant to be.、Uh, Reyna departed Old Town again and flew to Fair Isle. Recall that Franklin Farman, the older brother of Elisa, who inherited the island after the death of their father,、uh, was the one that kicked Reyna out. Over the years, his hate for Reyna and her dragon had not subsided, and he was equally as rude to Reyna now as he was back then. He denied having ever seen Arya and quickly made it clear once more that Reyna was not welcome at Fair Isle. After Fair Isle, we lost track of Reyna. There have been reports of dragon sightings sporadically all over Westeros, but history loses track of her every move after that.、Uh, during Reyna's absence. Jaehaerys and Alizan had also made efforts to try and track down Arya and Balerion. However, after months and months, there were still no credible sources to their whereabouts. Many had begun to fear that Arya was dead. The agents that Regal Dras, the master of coin,、uh, had commissioned to track down Elisa Farman and the dragon eggs that she stole were recommissioned with a new mission to track down Arya instead. But still frustrated by the lack of news surrounding his niece, Jaehaerys, having nothing more to do for now, 
distracted himself by focusing on other work that he could do. The task that he chose to take on was major reforms to the law. Up until this point, there was no single criminal code, and laws were often contradictory to each other, having been the result of traditions that have been passed down for generations. If the realm was to have one king, they should have one law as well. And so, in 55 AC, the work on the Book of Law would begin. In the meantime, to the great joy of the realm, Queen Alizane was pregnant again. During the latter part of her pregnancy, she chose to have her child on Dragonstone, as was befitting for the arrival of a new member of the Targaryen family. Once again though, her pregnancy just so happened to come right before Jaehaerys was set to go on another royal procession, and so Jaehaerys once again had to go alone. Jaehaerys toured the west this time, although he skipped Fair Isle as his way of making his displeasure known that the way that uh, Franklin Farman had treated his sister Reyna. Jaehaerys returned to Dragonstone from his procession just in time to witness the birth of his child. To everyone's delight, except for maybe the princess Daenerys who wanted a sister, the child was a boy, who Jaehaerys named Aemon. By the rules of inheritance in Westeros which favored males over females, the realm has a new crown prince. As the realm celebrated, little did everyone know another event taking place. Elissa Farman, having escaped Dragonstone with stolen dragon eggs, has sold the eggs and used the money to commission a new ship in Essos called the Sun Chaser. The Sun Chaser was built for long voyages with enough space to store provisions which can allow the ship to stay in the water without the need to resupply for a long time. Uh, Elissa had taken another name as well, Alice Westhill. And it was at the same time that Alice was passing through the Step Zones, which are these islands between the Westeros continent and the Essos continent, uh, on her way to Old Town, that Reyna has stopped on the island of Tarth, which is around the same area. However, this fact was only discovered by historians after the fact, uh, and the gods did not will it be that Reyna will bump into Elissa again. Once in Old Town, Elissa, or should I say Alice Westhill, dreamed of sailing west. You see, the east was decently well known by now. Most explorers to date have chosen to go east and find their adventure and treasure there. The west of Westeros, as far as anyone knew, was just ocean that went on forever. Alice was determined to disprove that, and perhaps circumnavigate the world. In 56 AC, Alice was ready to set sail on her dream of exploring the west of Westeros, uh, and in Old Town, she assembled a crew and set sail. It was only after she had already sailed that word of a mysterious woman with a fast ship had reached the ears of King Jaehaerys, who recognized her fake name at once. Jaehaerys ordered Lord Donald Hightower of Old Town to dispatch men to arrest Alice at once. But ships were small and oceans were vast, and also the Sun Chaser was much faster than any ship that Donald had. Uh, so Jaehaerys, for a brief moment, entertained the thought of pursuing Alice on his dragon Vermithor. Surely dragons can fly faster than ships can sail. However, even dragons cannot stay in the air forever. And as far as anyone knew, there was nowhere to land once you got off the west coast of Westeros. So Jaehaerys was forced to abandon the idea. In the meantime, no good news came from Jaehaerys' efforts to search for Arya. The Kingsguard knight that he had sent to Essos to look for Arya, Sir William the Wasp, was ambushed in Essos and killed along with his men. Reports came from Astapor that a dragon was chained up in the fighting pits, 
However, this report was likely not true. The creature in question was most likely was called a wyvern, which are dragon-like creatures, but wyverns cannot breathe fire. Uh, however, this situation would also change in 56 AC. Uh, one day in 56 AC, a pair of dark wings appeared on the horizon from the perspective of the towers of King's Landing. The wings grew larger and the sounds grew louder. Balerion had returned. On the back of Balerion this time was not Aegon the Conqueror like it was 50 years ago, but it was a dying child. Arya's hair was tangled and burnt. Her limbs were as thin as sticks. Her clothes had rotted off to the point where she was practically naked. Her eyes were full of blood. Her skin was so hot that the knight who carried her would feel her heat through the armor. She barely got out a cry for help as she slid off from Balerion and collapsed. She was brought to Grandmaster Benefer, who denied Jaehaerys and Alysanne's entry into the room, stating simply that the king and queen did not want to see her in her present condition. Within the day, Arya was dead. The official cause of death was fever. However, there was more to this story. According to the accounts of Septon Barth, the death of Arya was far more brutal than just a simple fever. It was said that her skin was hot to the point of boiling. Uh, to the few coherent moments that she had, the pain was so brutal that Arya begged for death. The heat within her body grew so strong that eventually smoke emerged from her ears and from her nostrils, and her eyes, having been cooked within her own skull, exploded. When the Macers attempted to place Arya in a tub of ice to cool her, creatures emerged from within her body. They were creatures of unspeakable horrors. Worms with faces, snakes with hands, although those creatures thankfully died, having been exposed to the ice since they did not like the cold. Sadly, or thankfully, depending on who you ask, the ice bath stopped Arya's heart as well, uh, and that put an end to her suffering. It was theorized that Valerion and Arya had ventured into the ruins of Valeria. Recall that Valeria is said to be cursed because of some dark magic that had gone awry, and here we have the first-hand evidence of what it's like when someone tries to venture into the ruins. Uh, it is worth noting that Balerion also did not escape unscathed. There were wounds on Balerion. And knowing how big and ferocious Balerion was, uh, this really goes to show what kind of hostile environment they must have flew through. It is no surprise then that later that same year, Jaehaerys issued a decree forbidding any ship from Westeros to visit the ruins of Valeria and forbidding any ships suspected of having visited Valeria from docking in Westeros. It was a melancholy time for Reyna, who by the time that she had heard the news of the return of Arya had arrived too late. Arya was already gone, and her body was already cremated. Recall that Reyna had also arrived too late to say goodbye to her mother, uh, so not being there for her daughter's final moments hit extra hard. She no longer wanted to return to Dragonstone, saying that it only reminded her of pain and grief. Instead, she chose to settle at Harrenhal. As she would spend the rest of her days there and never again visit King's Landing or Dragonstone, and she would remove herself from politics for the rest of her life. Reyna died in 73 AC at the age of 50. But we're getting ahead of ourselves now. Rewind back to our current time, which is 56 AC, and while things have not gone well for Reyna, it was a much better time for Jaehaerys and Alizan, since Alizan had by now given birth to yet another son named Balon. 
At first, many would fear another repeat of the conqueror's sons, Aenys and Maegor, whose conflicts led to the first real Targaryen civil war and a decade of unrest that tore the realm to pieces. However, those fears were put aside when it turned out that the princes Aemon and Balon got together very well. One point of contention, however, was Jaehaerys' preference of making it clear that Aemon was now the heir, which Queen Alysanne disagreed with, saying that since Daenerys was older, she should be the heir. Jaehaerys countered by saying that Aemon and uh, Daenerys would be married to each other since it was Targaryen tradition to marry the eldest siblings together. Uh, they would rule together anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, this answer did not totally satisfy Alizan, however, uh, but for now, this was just how it was going to go. In 57 AC, Jaehaerys dismissed Lord Smallwood as Hand of the King and replaced him with Septon Barth. Although many objected to Septon Barth's appointment because of his low birth, Jaehaerys waved them off, saying that Barth was one of his most trusted advisors and would fit well into the role. The first order of business that Barth decided to take on as Hand of the King was to travel to Bravos, the place where Alice Westhill, aka Alyssa Farman, commissioned the Sun Chaser, no doubt with the funds that she gained by selling the dragon eggs to the Iron Bank of Bravos. Barth stated his intention of repossessing the eggs, and the banker of Bravos denied that he had the eggs, uh, but in a way that suggested that he most definitely had the eggs. However, he wasn't about to give them up easily. Barth threatened that if he did not return the eggs, Jaehaerys would have to come to Bravos on the back of Vermithor and rigorously negotiate. The banker admitted that Dragonflame would probably uh, definitely be able to defeat Bravos in an open-air combat. However, the free city of Bravos was not without weapons of their own. The city of Bravos was home to the Faceless Men, the most skilled assassins in the entire known world. Jaehaerys might have dragons, but he is not immortal, and even if he was, his family was not immortal. Barth, recognizing that a war over some dragon eggs would be disastrous for both sides, uh, he was forced then to compromise and find an alternative way to settle this dispute. So after some negotiation, with the stroke of a pen, the Iron Bank of Bravos decided to forgive half of the crown's debt. Recall that Regal Draz, the master of coin, had borrowed large sums of money from the Iron Bank on behalf of the crown to fund many of Jaehaerys' endeavors. With this deal negotiated, the coin that was previously bound to repay the Iron Bank was now freed up for other projects. The most pressing matter was the quality of the drinking water in King's Landing. While the noblemen and the royalty drank mead or ale, the poor was forced to drink water which in King's Landing was muddy and unsanitary. Barth proposed building a series of drinking wells, which would be an expensive project, to which Jaehaerys at first balked at the expenses. However, one day, Queen Alizan decided to bring a jar of the city's water to Jaehaerys and Barth, and dared one of them to drink it. It was only then that Jaehaerys approved the expense. It's moments like these that Alizan would go down to be remembered as the good Queen Alizan. She genuinely cared about the needs of the everyday citizen, a quality that, unfortunately, not very many monarchs would possess in the history of Westeros. In 58 AC, an opportunity came for Jaehaerys to play the peacemaker between the cities of Tyrosh and Pentos. The two cities have been at war for three years, and although both agreed that it was time to discuss the peace terms, they could not agree on a location to meet. 
unless Jaehaerys would be willing to host the leaders of the two cities in King's Landing to discuss the peace terms. Uh, this was an opportunity for Jaehaerys to increase his influence in Essos, and so it was an offer that he could not refuse. However, he had already promised to lead a royal procession north to Winterfell to visit Lord Stark. Jaehaerys feared that cancelling his trip last minute would be taken as an insult by Lord Stark, and so a compromise was reached. It was this time that Alysanne would be the one to go on a royal procession alone while Jaehaerys stayed behind in King's Landing. Lord Alaric Stark of Winterfell was a blunt and stern man. When Alysanne arrived at Winterfell, he greeted her by reminding her that the north was cold and she probably should have worn something thicker. When Alysanne suggested that she help arrange some marriages for Alaric's sons, uh, he brushed off the idea, saying that his sons would not get along with some southern girls uh, since in the north they worshipped the old gods and did not follow the faith of the seven. However, as time went on, Alaric seemed to warm up to Alysanne, and it was said that Alaric was not humorless, uh, but like the north, his humor was cold and had an edge to it. While in the north, Alysanne proceeded onto Castle Black at the Wall and met with the Night's Watch. While at the Wall, Alysanne listened to the plight of the Night's Watch who complained that they did not have enough land or money uh, to be sustainable for the long term. When Alysanne returned to Winterfell, she convinced Lord Alaric to double the amount of land south of the Wall that's given to the Night's Watch. This extra piece of land would be known as the New Gift. Upon Alysanne's return from the north, she shared with Jaehaerys a sad story that she had heard from a woman in Molestown, uh, which is the town that's closest to Castle Black. Recall that the Night's Watch was exclusively men uh, who sworn off all lands and titles and swore to never get married, uh, but this did not forbid them from having sex, so prostitution was a big business in Molestown. Uh, this woman, who told Alysanne her story, was one of the prostitutes in Moletown. Uh, and this woman uh, had her virginity taken by the lord of her hometown by the right of the first knight. Recall that the right of the first knight is the right given to the lord of a piece of land uh, to take any newlywed woman's virginity on the first night of her marriage uh, instead of her husband. This woman, who told Alysanne her story, got pregnant by the lord instead of her husband because of this, uh, and thus her husband began to resent her and call her a whore, and he physically abused her as well, until to the point where she miscarried the baby, and eventually she decided to run away and become a prostitute. This story was so heartbreaking to Alysanne that she demanded Jaehaerys outlaw the right of the first night. Jaehaerys uh, no doubt agreed with Alysanne that it was indeed a barbaric practice, uh, but he didn't want to ban it, however, saying that it was just tradition and he wasn't there to upset tradition because uh, he was a really don't-rock-the-boat type of guy. But eventually, it took the combined strength of Septembarth and Queen Alysanne together that finally convinced him that the right of the first night must be banned. And so it was. Uh, this law would be credited to Queen Alysanne once again as another huge advancement in improving women's rights as well as the rights of the common folk. By 58 AC, Jaehaerys was now 24 years old, still relatively young but no longer the boy that he used to be. Things are going well for him though. He has a loving wife and three kids and the realm was prosperous and the common folk loved him. But his challenges were far from over. Alright, we'll leave it here for this week. 
Next week, we'll continue with our discussion with the long reign of Jaehaerys and talk about the new challenges that would come in the way of our favorite Targaryen king. So, hope you all enjoyed. I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye bye.